So then, 8.46, and it's Mark Zastro here, science journalist, to take us through the latest science and tech news. Good morning. Good morning, Alex. We're talking about a feminist backlash uh, in the whole sexual assault debate and even flirtation debate around the world. But how about this for a a backlash? Um, This is, um, I guess, something that will be of concern to anyone, regardless of where they stand on the gender divide, because this is an indicator of how climate change is affecting wildlife. On the Great Barrier Reef, entire populations of sea turtles are turning female, and apparently this is because of rising sea temperatures. Is that right? That's right. It, it sounds bizarre, but that's what has been reported by scientists in the latest issue of the journal Current Biology. A joint Australian and U.S. team looked at green sea turtles, which are split into two breeding populations on the Great Barrier Reef. And they found that at one of these breeding grounds, the northern one, over 99% of the surviving newborn turtles for the past 20 years have been female. And even amongst adult turtles, 87% of those are female. So all the male turtles in this population are dying out, which really makes you know, climate change an existential threat to this population. I mean, on the surface, you might think, well, hang on a minute. If uh, one of uh, these uh, issues has been rising over decades now, past 20 years, how have they been able to produce any more? offspring. But I guess part of that answer is that turtles live for quite a long time. They do, up to, I I think, around 80 years is the average for for this particular species. So that's why it's going to take a little while before we suddenly see the implications of not being able to breed anymore. That's right. Of course, that also means that it it takes them that long for generations to adapt and evolve, Mm. something that uh, we, we need to keep in mind. Um, but, you know, the, the circumstances behind how this actually comes to be are quite interesting because uh, like many species of reptiles, the sex of these sea turtles is determined not based on chromosomes that they receive, like in mammals, but based on the temperature that the eggs are exposed to. Right. And, and so the way that this goes is that higher temperatures are resulting in more females. Lower temperatures give you more males. And, but it, it only takes a difference of a few degrees to swing the ratios in one direction or another. And so, you know, there are these two populations in, on the Great Barrier Reef. They're on opposite ends of the reef, you know, they're over 3,000 kilometers apart. So they experience very different climates and temperatures. So it's, it's no surprise that it's the northernmost uh, population, the one closest to the equator, that is experiencing the worst imbalance. The southern one uh, has a lesser bias towards females, only about 65 to 70 percent. But it's still more females. That's right. Makes me think of reptile populations in other parts of the world that might have been experiencing unusually cold weather. Mm, mm-hmm. Suddenly it could be all male. Wow. Um, glad that mammals don't have the same problem, but there are a whole other range of issues associated with climate change that we do have to worry about. What, what are the prospects for, for this particular population of species? Well, there are a few ways that it could adapt to the change in climate. One possibility uh, is more interbreeding. You know, if the southern population stays relatively balanced, the northern population could get by by interbreeding with them. Uh, we know that there is some of that already based on the genetic analyses uh, that this study carried out. So that's one way. It's also possible that the turtles could evolve uh, so that their critical temperature uh, changes, you know, the, the thermostat on which way the, which sex they, the eggs go in. 
Uh, but again, like I said, you know, these turtles live so long, it, it, they may not be able to keep up with the changing climate. Mm. It's also possible they could be, they could uh, shift their breeding habits to a different time of the year when the water is cooler. So we'll have to we'll have to see whether whether any of this actually pans out. If only we could give them a memo and, and, right. and advise them. It's very sad to to see this playing out. We've seen in human populations a preference for gender in the past. China looked like it was heading in an all male direction at one point um, when when families were restricted to one child. Mm-hmm. Um, but speaking of China, that's a, that's a fairly clumsy segue to our next story because um, we're seeing a global shift of another sort. Um, global brain power shifting in that direction, is it? Uh, China is attracting more foreign students of both genders. That's right. According to the Institute of International Education, China is on pace this year to become the number two destination in the world for international students in college or graduate level studies. So that would move it in front of the UK and trailing only the United States. So in 2016, according to government uh, statistics, there were 440,000 foreign students studying in China, which is almost 10 times as many as in 2000. Now, you know, in the past, uh, as recently as 2012, a majority of those students were in China to study Chinese language, and often only for a year or less, not to, you know, complete a whole degree program. And, of course, many of them came from here, from South Korea, and South Korea continues to send the largest numbers of students to China. But in 2016, uh, the percentage of international students actually studying language in China dropped to 40%. So people are going there to study all sorts of things. That's right. And the number of students studying science, engineering, agriculture, education, that all doubled. So uh, it's a clear indication, you know, that China's efforts to internationalize its research efforts uh, and attract foreign talent are having tangible results. I'm curious about where the students are coming from. We said South Korea would account for a a fair few, but um, is the UK, for example despite dropping down to third, still attracting, uh, I don't want to say a higher caliber of student because it sounds horrible, but the students who have performed better academically. I'd, l- I'd be very interested to see the breakdown, mm, you know, whether mm-hmm. it's people, and, and it's great, you know, people of all levels of academic ability and ambition should have that opportunity to study if they want to. Right. And if and China's opening doors, then the great, right? Right. But um, but I wonder whether people who haven't previously had opportunities to study uh, in the UK or the US, for example, are now being able to take opportunities in China that weren't there before. I think that is a subject we should revisit at some point. Um, and it's also happening at a time when the US is seen as less welcoming under President Trump. That's right. There are so many you know, leading companies in the US tech industry that were started by immigrants uh, you know, who came to study in the US and those countries still rely heavily on recruiting outside the U.S. to offer visas. Um, there are there there are no hard numbers, you know, on how many people are not going to the U.S. as a result of Trump's administration. But we certainly know anecdotally that many are choosing not to go to the U.S. And at the same time, you have China investing heavily in quantum computing, AI, astronomy, space exploration. So. Not only, you know, many experts see this retreating role of the U.S. as an opportunity politically and economically for China. It is also a scientific opportunity. So how long before China is at the top of this list then and dominating not just in terms of opportunity, but also academically and in every area? Uh, Finally, some of Apple's biggest investors are pushing the company to create stronger safeguards to prevent against 
making their phones addictive, especially for children. And, you know, for an investor to do this, it doesn't make perfect business sense, does it? It shows they care. That's certainly the message that they that they intend to send the hedge fund Jana Partners and the California State Teachers Pension System. Together, they control two billion dollars of Apple stock, and they spoke out last week in a letter to Apple's board, saying that the company's products could be harming children who are addicted to their devices, citing studies that suggest you know, links between smartphone use and anxiety or depression. Now, in their letter, they wrote. It would defy common sense to argue that this level of usage by children whose brains are still developing is not having at least some impact or that the maker of such a powerful product has no role to play in helping parents to ensure it's being used optimally. And they went on to urge Apple to give parents uh, finer, more precise control over just how much their children use phones. Of course, this could be seen as um, a business plus as well if it uh, attracts all this positive publicity in Apple's direction because ultimately, sure. you know, these, these smartphones, they're addictive. We can see it with our own children, I'm sure, because of what they are. You can't change fundamentally what a smartphone is unless, you, you know, you have timers on there that prevent games from being played for more than 15 minutes a day or half an hour a day. But, and that's partly what they're asking for. But, but is it going to work? Right. That's the question. Um, and and what, what does science tell us about possible addiction to smartphones? Well, so this is a, addiction is a very tricky subject. There is no scientific consensus even on what constitutes uh, you know, a, a behavioral addiction. We kind of throw that term addiction around casually in daily conversation, but psychiatrists are very reluctant to identify a new addiction to define it because there's a danger in pathologizing behavior that might be totally normal. We don't want to create but stigma. maybe there's another even scarier word, which is total reliance upon a smartphone. Reliance for everything, including entertainment, and, and the social implications of that. Um, it, it goes even further than addiction when it's a societal-wide thing. Mark, we've got to leave it there, but thank you so much for speaking with us today. Great to be here, Alex.